This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Kevin Sheehan Show. Kevin is out today, so your boy D-Day jumping in. Over the weekend, the biggest story in sports was Shohei Otani's $700 million contract and last night, we got some more information on how that contract is going to work. To help us break that down, we will head out to the BetQL guest hotline. Welcome on, Danny Wexelman, MLB Network Radio. You can find her on Twitter, at Danny Wex. Danny, appreciate you jumping on and joining. So I'll first start with this. What was your reaction when the initial $700 million figure came out in regards to Shohei Otani's contract? Well, first of all, good morning, my friend. Thank you for having me. I am always excited to talk baseball especially in the hot stove season, especially when somebody signs a contract for $700 million. I am in a car. I'm upstate over the weekend, and I'm in a car, and someone turns back to me because I'm in, like, SOS territory. I have no service. (laughs) And somehow he had service. He looks at me and goes, it's done. And I was like, what is it? What is it? And he tells me, my jaw is to the floor. If your jaw did not drop, when you heard <laughs> details of the contract, $700 million for 10 years, then you don't I, – I don't know who you are. I don't want to be friends with you. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. We knew it would be 500 maybe 600 Nobody said seven. No one had a seven in front of that number. And to hear a contract of that scale and to kind of try to understand in the moment what that means contextually, it's really hard. But ultimately knowing that this is – the best player that we've seen in my generation. And so it is surprising, but also not that surprising. Now, when you, when I saw $700 million, I was like you, I was like, I cannot believe that's a real thing. I thought it was a, I thought I gotten duped by a fake account. Surely nobody has $700 million. And I know this, this question might sound crazy, but is he worth $700 million? Yeah, he is. He is. Because if you really break down the structure and, and you kind of mentioned that, in the beginning, if you break down the structure of what it is, so essentially you're paying him $350 million to be a hitter and $350 million to be a pitcher, right? He's a two-time unanimous MVP. That's never been done. The numbers that he's put up, he's broken records. He's done things that we've never seen 
in our league in the entirety of the history of the sport. So when you break it down, that's how you get to the $700 million. But the fact that he has deferred $680 million of that $700 million throughout his career is really why this makes complete sense. And let's be honest. The Dodgers were willing to give him that seven. I'm sure the Mets could have given him $600 million. I have no doubt in my mind. But he wants to be in California. He wants to play for a team that can win multiple World Series championships. And that's where the Dodgers are at. They have the history. They have the team. They have the farm system. And they have the money and the ability, if Shohei wants to defer that for his career and only make $2 million for the next 10 years to allow them to continue to buy and spend – it makes complete sense. And really, the Dodgers here make us all look like fools because they're <laughs> getting away with something that is just criminal, right? It's absolutely <laughs> criminal that they said, you know what, whatever, we'll just give you $700 million. We're going to defer most of it. So we come out like bandits. We're absolutely staying under the, the luxury tax, right? And we're going to have the best player in the game for a decade. Talking with Danny Wexelman here on the Kevin Sheehan Show, Denton Day filling in for Kevin. Now, how often do do things like this happen, Danny, when it comes to the uh, the money being set aside? Like, I know here in D.C., uh, we had almost kind of made fun of our ownership group for trying to defer too, many, too much money because it never felt like it was in the best interest for the team. They'd always done it from a position of, we just don't want to spend all this money right now kind of a deal. How often across the MLB are teams using the deferrals to better set themselves up to win now? It's not that often because you have to have a couple things intact. Number one, the league has to approve it. The commissioner has to approve the plan that you've set out. And also, you have to have the bank records and all the pay stubs to prove <laughs> that you can actually do this, right? Which is what everyone's concern is because you think, okay, well, why can't my team do that? Why can't my team just get the best player and defer all his money? Well, the Arizona Diamondbacks did that a while ago, and that came to, back to bite them in the butt. That's what happens if you don't have the money and you don't have the cash flow and the capital to support a deferral like that. You know, the Nationals did that with Max Scherzer, right? That, that's yeah. something that you guys look at and think, oh my God, we're still paying this guy. That's what the Mets do with Bobby Bonilla. You're still paying this guy. And that's what the Dodgers will be doing. I mean, the Mets did it with Edwin Diaz as well. So this is a thing that we see with teams who do have larger market shares, owners who have the capital to fund this, but it handcuffs your team in certain ways. And down the road, right? You're still paying a guy who's not playing for you. The Reds did it with Ken Griffey Jr. They're still paying him. So it handcuffs you when it comes to the competitive balance tax, because if you want to add a player and you're still paying a guy who's not on your team, how do you navigate that? And the smaller market teams, that hurts them much more than it's going to hurt the other one. So for the Dodgers, the way that they plan this out is so smart, but it is rare because you've got to navigate all this red tape, and that's difficult to do, especially with a team who's maybe um, getting closer to that luxury tax threshold, or teams who don't want to go over it because they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay the taxes on it, and you and there right. are more severe consequences. Right, the the more times you go over it, especially consecutively, and so it's it's a pretty big risk to be honest. In general, let's be honest: seven hundred million to Shohei Otani, who's now had two surgeries on his arm, on his pitching arm, is dangerous to do. That's a risk. We have no idea what he's going to look like. 
And then you're you're stuck paying this guy $68 million after he's done playing. But it's worth the risk. And I said it earlier this week. I said that I would I would make this bet and I would I would pay this man every single time if I had the chance. How many how many championships do they have to win to justify a move like this? That is such a good question, right? What's the definition of success? How do you define the value and the worth of a bet like this? You have to win one. That's the <laughs> very bottom line. Is you have to win one in a decade. And it seems like the Dodgers keep getting caught in this cycle of getting to the postseason and unable to get past the finish line, right? They're pitching completely shut down in the postseason. Their best guys, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, went cold. You cannot predict what's going to happen, but they didn't have the staff to support a postseason run last year. And they still got to go get starting pitchers. Let's be honest. <laughs> They're not going to win the World Series right now with what they just did with Shohei Otani. They still have to get probably one, maybe two starting pitchers, but they have to win one. I think you got to get two. I think you got to get two out of this deal, but you know what, dude? You know how they're really thinking about this is the fact that they now have an entire country. They have the entire country of Japan. Yeah. They probably have all of Asia and every Asian country watching them and buying things from them. They have any fan of Otani. They have so many new eyes on their team and so much money that's about to come in to them, whether it's in deals or different television things. I mean, they're, they're sitting really pretty. So while all of us look at the team and say, if they don't win at least one, two World Series championships with Shohei Otani, it's a bust. They may not be looking at it like that. And But what I love is this was why Otani chose this team. He wants to win. I saw, I saw a statement this morning on Instagram that said, this is why I chose it. I want there to be parade after parade in the streets <laughs> of L.A., right? This is why I'm here and... To be honest, it's the crapshoot. When you get to October, it's an app. The Arizona Diamondbacks won 84 games and got to the World Series, right? <laughs> like, it's a crapshoot. But you have the best player in the league on your team. I'm so glad he's not with the Angels anymore. What a waste of time being over there. I'm so glad he has the infrastructure now around him. And they are, they are that much better. They got a little more work to do to add. But that's why he did the contract the way he did, so that they could be a power team for a long time. Now, the Otani contract wasn't the only big move that happened last week. A guy that we are very familiar with here in D.C., Juan Soto, is now on his third team with the New York Yankees. Is he the missing piece to get the Yankees back to the promised land? Oh, he's a huge part of it. He is a huge part of it. You know, the, everyone's hair is on fire here in New York and in the Bronx. And after last season, while they did barely finish over 500, man, they're fed up. And so it's so obvious. You need the left-handed bat. You need protection in the lineup for Aaron Judge. And you need an outfielder. And while Alon Soto's defense is not what got him the trade, it's not what's going to get him a massive probably $400, $450 million contract once he becomes a free agent next year, it's the bat. It's the plate discipline. And it's it's what he's already done in his young career. And it fit every single box that the Yankees needed. And so in everybody's eyes out here, and I know you've seen this, and I, I've had a taste. I've been in New York for a decade now. If you don't get the best, then it's, it's a loss. It's a waste. And, and we throw our hands in the air and we burn <laughs> the streets, right? Like everyone freaks out. If you don't get the best, 
then what are you even doing? And I love that mentality in New York. And what we've seen from Brian Cashman, I think in the past few years is trying to now work with Hal Steinbrenner, right? And, and figure out Hal's way of doing things, which has not necessarily been spending big and getting the big dude, right? They did get Aaron Judge. They did get Garrett Cole. They went and got Carlos Rodon, but they've made some other moves that have been really questionable. And so this really, this goes back. I think everyone's getting the evil empire vibe. And you go and get Juan Soto. And what I love about Juan Soto, and you guys saw throughout his time in Washington, D.C., is that not only is he good and he's uber talented and he is, he is comparable to Ted Williams or better, is that he's so fun. And I love the idea of a fun young guy being on the New York Yankees and being in pinstripes and shaking things up a little bit and bringing some flavor and some spice and some flair, the Latin flair to this team in a young way, in a vibrant way. This is different than other guys. And he is a franchise-changing player. I know they have the captain. I know they have Aaron Judge. Juan Soto is, is, is a unicorn in his own way. And so I'm really excited to see him play that short porch in right field. I think it's going to be awesome to watch him play there and his bat is going to play in the Bronx, but they had to go and get this guy. They still have some moves. They still got to get a starting pitcher. They right. have to get one more guy in his rotation. There's zero doubt about it in my mind. And I do think that they're going to go and do that. It might be Yoshinobu Yamamoto, right? The 25 year old from the NPB. It might be him, but the Dodgers might go get him too, but there's still a ton of guys who are out there. that are top tier frontline starters that the Yankees can get that can be a difference maker for them. And then, and then I will start talking about them in a post-season type <laughs> conversation. So, Danny, I noticed you said when Juan Soto hits oh. free agency. So are you assuming that the yeah. Yankees are not going to re-sign him this season? He's going he's gonna to be a Scott Boris guy and hit that open market? I think it would be tough. I, I think that unless they blow their minds with, with the most outrageous offer, and, and it's going to require a four, like it is. The Nationals, yeah. what, it was 440 for 15 years. And he said, no, no, thank you. I'm uh, Trade me. That's fine. Send me to San Diego. Depending upon what he does, he still has to perform this year. Let's be honest. This isn't just a, a cakewalk. He still has to perform. But if he does what we know he's capable of, I don't think Scott Boris is going to be interested in extension. They're going to let him hit the market and see what he's worth. And not only is that good for Juan Soto, that's good for the players, right? You have to advocate for the players. You want them to max out the contracts and change the market. But I don't I don't see the Yankees figuring out an extension for him. But but if Juan Soto enjoys his time in New York, which I'd imagine he will, getting to play with <laughs> Aaron Judge and, and the whole crew, Anthony Volpe too, I think he'll enjoy that. But I think if he enjoys his time, then the Yankees are the top suitor, right? You just had that guy in your home. You cooked him the best meal he's ever had in his life, and you wooed him, and you took him to Broadway shows, and you took him to the finest restaurants in New York City and, and everything else his heart could desire in the biggest city in the United States. Like, you have the best shot of getting him back. So they have the upper hand in all of this. It's up to them to not blow it, and it's up to Juan Soto to perform. Now, Danny, I will say there's a certain segment of the population here in D.C. of which I am on the front lines hoping that maybe just maybe Juan Soto, once he hits op the open market, comes comes back home to D.C. and the Nationals end up pulling off one of the greatest heists in MLB history, trading a guy and getting him back a couple years later. 
Yeah, I like it. I love that. I, I love the optimism and crazier things have happened. I think it's twofold. I love where the Nationals are headed right now. They just picked up uh, Nas Nunez in the Rule 5 draft. They, the players they got back from San Diego in their hall, their outfield, I think could be the best outfield in the league in a few years. Those are all guys that I got to cover in high school. That's Brady House, um, James Wood, Robert Hassel. Um, I'm, I'm missing somebody, but then Nas Nunez um, being added to that that group of guys. Oh, C.J. Abrams, the shortstop. Got yeah. him in high school. Yeah. That group of guys, I love the way they're headed that's a ringing endorsement for Juan Soto to want to come back. Look what we've done. Look who we have. Plus, they're pitching. Their pitching is going to get better. You saw Jackson Rutledge at the end of the year. I like the direction that they're headed right now. They know how to win. They're not that far removed from their World Series. People forget because COVID has confused us. Confused <laughs> the year. What year is it? I barely am getting through 2019 still. But I, I think that Juan Soto could look at what they're doing and say, you know what? I do want to go back home. It didn't work out. The timing wasn't right. We've seen that before, that the timing wasn't right. The extension didn't work. Players are traded. The Cardinals just did that with Jordan Hicks. At the trade deadline, couldn't figure out the extension. Maybe they can bring him back now. So they, they, they had to trade him, and it's the same for Juan Soto. Go back home with an organization that loves you and developed you and drafted you. I love where the Nats are headed. And so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility next year, but it's going to be a battle for sure. And, and he deserves it. You know, when you are 25 years old, 26 years old, and you've had the career that you've already had, um, you deserve the world and more. So I'm, I'm super stoked for him. Dan, I'll get you out of here with this. The Otani contract is done. Juan Soto is now on a, a different team. It felt like those were two of the big stories for hot stove season. Now that they're in the rear view, what are you looking for in, in the remainder of the hot stove that we should keep our eye on? Yamamoto is absolutely the prize right now. I, I am so stoked to watch how he's continued to be wooed. I think the Red Sox are talking to him. Like, that sweepstakes is huge because he's 25 years old. You could potentially have him. You could sign him for 10 years. You could sign him $300 million 10 years and have him in your organization for the prime time of his career. But I'm also excited about Jordan Montgomery. I want to see where he goes. He is a proven ace. He's proven in the postseason. I think what he's done, switching teams three times in two years, huge deal. Blake Snell, of course, the Cy Young winner. I can't wait to see where he goes as well. But the trade market too, right? Dylan Cease and Tyler Glass now, those are two names that everyone has their eyes on. There's a huge list of free agents right now, guys who were non-tendered. There are a ton of guys. I will say my sleeper pick the past two years has been Michael Waka. He pitched for the Padres last year and I watched him with the Cardinals I think that he's really good he's underrated and I'm a fan of guys who revive their careers of guys who figure out a way to adapt and and change with the way that baseball is changing and find success that's really hard to do and guys who do that are always people that I have my eyes on but I think that Yoshinobu Yamamoto is the he is the most coveted player right now and and he's going around and meeting teams and trying to figure out where he wants to make his home. So I think what's what's more interesting than Otani is that more teams can afford Yamamoto. And so there's way more teams involved, and there's way more information that we know about this. So I find this so intriguing and, and just interesting in a different way than Otani. I think we wanted to know what the number was for Otani, but 
for Yamamoto, just knowing how many teams are in on him and, and watching his price rise from 200 and now we're hearing potentially $300 million contract for the 25-year-old from Japan. So it's it's all exciting. And finally, Otani's stuff is done, so we get to see the rest of the market <laughs> finally start. The, the floodgates have opened, and it's good for baseball. Danny, you're the best. Appreciate it as always. Happy holidays. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Have the best end of the year. That is Danny Wexelman, MLB Network Radio. Good enough to join us via our BetQL guest hotline here on the Team 980. We'll kind of dive in a little bit more to the Shohei Otani stuff coming up here in just a moment. We will talk college football this hour. That's going to come in about 20 minutes. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. Army-Navy was this weekend. Plus, we're a couple days away from bowl season, so we'll dive into college football in 20 minutes. But coming up next, it's time for my daily news here on the Team 980. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show. Denton Day filling in for Kevin on the Team 980 the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, it's time for the Daily News here on the Kevin Sheehan Show. Kevin is out, so I am in. I got my man Toby with me as well. So we'll start with the team that's currently on my television screen right now. The Wizards played the Philadelphia 76ers last night. They got destroyed, 146-101. to You know, I'm not... I'm a nice guy, Toby. You know, Christmas season is coming up. I need to make sure that I'm on the nice list and not the naughty list because I don't want coal in my stocking. If I didn't care about any of that, our poll question of the day would have been whose defense is worse, the Wizards or the Commanders? And that might have been a cold, hard stalemate. Watching that team is very, very difficult. Yeah, I was at the game the other night when Joel Embiid dropped 50. And that was with Daniel Gafford at Capital One Arena. Last night, I thought he might go for 70, 80. (laughs) He didn't. He ended up going for 34, which ended up one short uh, of my 35-plus points alt line, but whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet the over 34 and a half, and he got 34. Wasn't thrilled with that one, (laughs) but please continue. Yeah, but, I mean, the Wizards just play no defense. And this one's tough because I had this discussion a couple weeks ago just talking about which D.C. sports team do you think could be 
a championship contender again the soonest. And you look at the Wizards, and you're like, how many of these guys are foundational pieces? You could do that with basically every D.C. team at this point, except for the Capitals. But how many of these guys are foundational pieces? They just really don't have them. And then the, I guess the most encouraging thing, if you want to look at it the same way the Commanders, like we talk about Sam Howell and that being basically all that matters the rest of the season, it's kind of all down to Bilal Koulibaly, right? Just how he continues to develop. But, I mean, it's so tough, and I understand that they're not necessarily trying to be competitive and win games, which they've done a pretty good job of, but not having a second center, a true center behind Daniel Gafford... Unreal. ...just puts them at such a disadvantage night in, night out. And I understand the idea of not winning basketball games, but you want to be competitive. Last night, they were not competitive at all. I mean... From the jump, they were not competitive. 12 nothing to start the game for the Sixers. You could have turned it off after three minutes of game action. Embarrassing, honestly. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. And to answer your question of which team is most likely to win a championship next, it's the team that's right behind us over our show. It's the Nats. They got foundational mm-hmm. pieces because you're right. Outside of Koulibaly, if you were to tell me that roster is completely gutted in two years, I'd probably give you a standing ovation. Like, yes, this is what needs to happen. And I love Kyle Kuzma. I hope he is remembered fondly by those in this area, you know, in four or five years' time. But he's not a foundational piece here. He is, at best, your your third guy on a, a championship team. The Jordan Poole thing we knew from the jump is not going to work. He's just... He's he said that the Warriors are going to find out what they're missing, and in, in fairness to him, it hasn't exactly worked out in Golden State all that much better. But he is not a guy that you can build a championship roster around. He was a supplemental piece on a championship team that just happened to be one of the greatest dynasties of the modern era in NBA basketball. There's not a lot of guys on this roster that I look at and I say I I'd, I hope they're here in two or three years outside of Coolabot. Like even Corey Kispert, I had really high hopes for him when they drafted him. I think he's fine. But I don't know if I'm bending over backwards to keep him. If I get a good deal at the trade deadline, say, hey, we we kind of want Corey Kispert here. We'll give you a we'll give you a late first round draft pick. All right, thanks, Corey. See ya. Have fun in insert team name here. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with the direction of the team in the terms of you can see that there's a clear plan with the new guys coming in, but they're so hampered by what the previous regime had done because you know those kinds of draft picks. You mentioned Kispert. You go back to Hachimura. Those kinds of draft picks. Or when you think you have a star, right? And and I guess they thought they had a star in Bradley Beal, and you're trying to go for it, right? You get the supplemental piece that can help you out. But none of these guys are stars. Maybe Koulibaly can be, and that's why I like the new direction of the team. But Corey Kispert, at best, is a three-point shooter. Maybe he can drive a little bit. But he's never going to be a supermax-type player. And so I like the fact that you can see with a Koulibaly, they're swinging for the fences, so to speak, but it's so tough when the rest of the team, it's like your your ceiling is so capped, and then you also don't have a second center. And oh, by the way, the head coach you brought in that was supposed to be a defensive mastermind, well, his guys either cannot do what he wants or his system doesn't work because they don't play any defense. So it's it just ends up being a disaster where you turn on the game last night, you watch two minutes, and you go, well, I can do something better with my night. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I watched two minutes, realized it is uh, almost time for football, turned on football. Speaking of football, I don't know if you're a Manning cast guy. I kind of dabble with a Manning cast every now and then. It really depends on who their guest is. If their guest is like a pop culture icon, 
that doesn't know anything about football, I'm good. It's a football player. I'm all for it. I got Kirk Cousins on last night. Did you see that Kirk Cousins had a Coles Cash chain that he was wrecking? It is the most... It's the most Kirk Cousins thing that I have seen. He is, I mean, him and Brock Purdy are fighting hard for that Coles deal. Yeah, I I didn't see it. I'm not a Manning cast guy. I actually wish they never had guests, and I probably would dabble in it more. But, yeah, when they have a football guy on, sometimes it's fun to see what's going on. And, look, I'm glad Kirk's doing so well, and hopefully, obviously, he comes back from this injury. But I'm glad to see he's had some success, and he's starting to get some of that popularity because Kirk's a good guy. So it's cool to see that. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future for him. But, Hey, man, that quarterback series on Netflix, I think, has opened a lot of people's eyes to what a good guy Kirk is, how tough he is. And I think a lot of people are starting to really like him. And it's cool to see him kind of being endeared more as a a likable figure as opposed to the guy that everyone just liked to joke about being the most mid-quarterback in the (laughs) NFL. Yeah, he definitely stole the show on uh, on quarterback season one. I'm excited for season two, although Joe Burrow was supposed to be on season two, and that season didn't exactly go the way I had hoped that it was going to go. You know, speaking of quarterback, Patrick Mahomes was on that season as well. Both he and Andy Reid have apologized for the way they handled Sunday. Andy Reid, Andy Reid was less of an apology and more of like a yeah, I watched it. And Kadarius Tony didn't wait for approval from the officials. But in classic Twitter fashion. Uh, users went and looked at the All-22 from the game. There were four separate occasions where Kadarius Toney lined off offside, lined up offsides. Yeah, I mean, I'm dying to know if they were warned about this because the saying is third time's the charm, right? Well, they got three freebies, and then the fourth one hit him, and the fourth one just happened to be the biggest play uh, of what could, or what could have been the biggest play of the night. I'm curious if they were warned. If they weren't warned, I actually kind of see their point a little bit as to why I'd be frustrated if the officials are just calling it now. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing more and more of other games are like, hey, look at the Dolphins game last night. So-and-so, I think it was Waddles lined up on the line of scrimmage, and he's up by the ball. Look, man, if they're breaking a rule – you're you're playing with fire, asking for them not to call it in that situation. Does it suck that it happened? Yes, but you can also hear in their answers that they acknowledged, yeah, he was off sides. So you can't necessarily get mad at the official for calling it. It sucks that it happened there, but the official also threw the flag immediately. He didn't wait to see Travis Kelsey catch the ball, flip it back to Tony, get in the end zone, be like, you know what? I think Tony was off sides on that play. Let me call that one back. No, he called it right away, so... Uh, it's something where I, I get the frustration if they haven't gotten warned or and they did it earlier in the game. I get all that because we want consistency from officiating. At the same point, though, if you're breaking a rule and it comes back to bite you at the end, you're the one who broke the rule. So, sorry, I don't feel that bad about it. That tells me that Buffalo was tipping the officials off. Sean McDermott or somebody, a coach on that staff, maybe even he was a player, was like, hey, listen. 19 is offsides. He's done it three times already. You got to do something about it. And Kadaris Tony was so offsides, he made Von Miller look offsides, and Von Miller was standing like nearly a yard away from the football. It's the wildest. It's the wildest thing. The outrage was nuts. Patrick Mahomes said that he was um, he he felt the worst about what he did to Josh Allen because if you saw the embrace between those two guys after the game, Patrick Mahomes was just complaining to Josh Allen about how bad the call was. 
that had to be pretty awkward if you're Josh Allen. You're like, hey, man, this this won me the football game. What do you want me to do? Be like, yeah, you guys got screwed. I felt bad for Josh Allen. I don't only feel bad for Josh Allen. I felt bad for Josh Allen after yeah, that one. Well, and it's it's also, I think, it, you know, before the embrace, right, before their you know, good game, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably just one of those things. Those guys are friends, right? They've played in a golf tournament together. They, those guys are friends. So it's one of those things that Josh is like, dude, what you so frustrated about? He's like, blah, 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 stupid call, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. It, it sucks to be Josh Allen, though, because you're probably like, dude, I just beat you. Like I just won. LOL. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're 7-6 and six now. We're trying to climb back into the postseason. Like, like, like sorry, dude, I don't necessarily feel bad. We kind of needed this win, so I don't really feel all that bad for you. Yeah, Josh Allen's ending with a sorry, not sorry after that one all right so we had we just had danny wexelman on she was great if you missed it hit the odyssey app podcast will be available We're talking about shohei otani's contract obviously you're one of the co-hosts of bust and lose baseball great nats podcast that we run here in odyssey dc um i was stunned one that the deferral works the way that it does to where shohei otani for the next 10 years is getting two million dollars a year and then he's getting for the subsequent 10 years $68 million per year. I can't imagine what it would feel like when a $68 million direct deposit hits. Like, how you react to that, I cannot fathom. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Dodgers? It feels like they are loopholing the system to make Shohei Otani work and still being able to get good players to surround him with. First of all, I would love to know what it feels like to have a $68 I'd love to know. million dollar direct deposit. You know what? I'll take a million. I'll settle for the $2 million, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll settle for that direct deposit. But a lot of people are freaking out about this, saying that it's bad for the sport, saying that it's jobbing the system. To an extent, I do understand that. And when you think about it on the surface level, it does look bad. But you also have to think about this. For the next decade, they're paying him nothing. We all think about that. The decade after that, Shohei Otani will no longer be on the Los Angeles Dodgers and taking up a majority of their payroll. <laughs> right. And so it does handcuff you a little bit when you get into that next decade. It's tough to say, hey, think of 2034 and beyond because no one's thinking about 2034 and beyond at this point. So I, I understand it from that standpoint. It's smart for the Dodgers because now they're in on Yamamoto. Now they're in on some of these guys that they can trade for. And it is working the system a little bit with the competitive balance tax. So I understand those arguments. But at the same point, if you're Otani, he can do these sorts of deals because he's getting so much in endorsements. I don't know that we're going to see another contract like this because I don't think we'll see another player like Shohei Otani. If you saw another guy that was a superstar, not only in the United States, but in his home country, getting the kinds of money he is from you know Japanese businesses that want to sponsor him, then yeah, maybe you could see that. But have we ever seen a player like Shohei? No. Have we ever seen guys like this make that kind of money? No. So I don't know that we're going to see something like this because there has never been a guy like Shohei. There may never be a guy like Shohei ever again. And so structuring deals like this, I don't think is going to become the norm. Maybe 50% like the Nationals did with Max Scherzer where it was 7 for 210, but instead it was paid out as 14 years at, uh, what, uh, 15 million, 15 something like per that? year, yeah, something like that. So that's kind of what the Nationals did. I think you'll still see those sorts of deals. I don't think you're going to see something where someone gets, say, 400 million and 350 is deferred. I don't think you'll see these in a common place. I think it's Shohei Otani only because Shohei Otani's a unicorn and Shohei got a very unique contract because of it. 
Yeah, if you remember when the Nats were trying to sign Bryce Harper all those years back, they put deferrals in his contract, and he said, absolutely not. I do not want money when I'm in my 60s. I would push back and say, I want money in my 60s. But Bryce Harper, me, very different. All right, finally here before we jump into some college football stuff, the Lakers are planning on hanging an in-season tournament banner following the winning of the first-ever NBA in-season tournament. I got to be honest, I like this more than I thought I would. I like the in-season tournament more than I thought I would. Yeah, banners are goofy. I think championship banners are kind of goofy, but whatever. What? Whatever. I think you need to make this a big deal in order to make it a big deal, so I applaud the Lakers. How much do you think Adam Silver is telling them, can you please make this a big deal? You're the banner franchise. Them and the Celtics, right, of the National Basketball Association. Can you please hang a banner for the in-season tournament to I'm, make it sound important? I'm sure he definitely has a, a massive influence there. I don't know there. if you saw the clip floating around of Kobe talking. He's like, we don't hang division banners. We don't hang conference championship banners. We only hang finals winning banners, right? Championship banners, because that's all that matters. I wonder what Kobe would think about this, right? Well, I, 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 I think Kobe would. I think Kobe would would like this more than divisions. I don't. If you were to ask the even just a good NBA fan, they can't name no divisions in the NBA. No, and nobody cares about divisions in the like. You're a psycho if you bet division winners in the NBA. I can't name the they divisions don't even offer that. in the NBA. I certain books might. You might have to go behind a back alley, but certain books might. I I still like this though. I think it's. Um, I hope the banner looks cool. If it looks goofy, maybe I won't like it as much. But I think if you're going to make this thing work, which I'm open to the NBA making it work, I think it actually turned out to be very fun. I think they need to make an adjustment with the courts. Yes, please. Because the courts did not look good at all. But outside of that, I'm, I'm with this. Cele- celebrate your victory. And uh, in referencing a tweet that I saw, LeBron James just did something that Michael Jordan never did. He left Vegas $500,000 richer. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah, I don't necessarily like the in-season tournament. I'm also not so selfish to think that some people didn't enjoy it, so I I don't really care. But please change the courts. Please stop making it so I'm watching dudes running down on a royal blue court with a red stripe down the middle. That just is incredibly stupid to me. You can, especially now, I get the first year you needed to almost have like a shock and all sort of thing. Yeah, you had to make it gimmicky the first year. fine. Now just put that NBA Cup trophy at center court and have a normal-looking court. Maybe throw one, a couple couple quirky things, whatever. But don't make the courts hard to watch, which a lot of the courts were. Yeah, they were. I'm with you. All right, that wraps up the news. Coming up next, we'll talk a little college football. We do it every Tuesday. We'll go on campus when we get back. It's Kevin Sheehan Show, Dent Day, filling in for Kevin on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Pick up your book bags. Grab your notebooks. It's time to go on campus with Denton. Give me my theme music. All right, every Tuesday we're talking college football on the Kevin Sheehan Show. Kevin is out today, so I am filling in. We got Toby with us. 
as well. In an hour, Linnell Willingham will jump on with us, talk a little bit of Commanders in 15 minutes. You'll hear what Montez Sweat said about his former workplace that wasn't very nice. But we're talking college football. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy over the weekend, Toby. And on this show, Kevin and I knew Jane Daniels, Heisman winner, mill the season. We were beating the drum for Jane Daniels because we recognized how good he was. But I will say, on Saturday, I woke up, I was watching some highlights, watching some Michael Penix, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, this Michael Penix guy wins, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset. The Heisman voting process is very weird. There's a lot of people that deserve a Heisman vote that do not have a Heisman vote. There are a lot of people that do not deserve a Heisman vote that do have a Heisman vote. And there's like a thousand votes. It's horrible at times. But sometimes things get a little weird. Sometimes things get a little wonky. Jaden Daniels was the right guy to win the Heisman Trophy Award. But it does feel like this was a little bit of a down year for the trophy because... The guy that won it was on a team that sucked. LSU's defense was atrocious. And without Jaden Daniels, LSU was like at least a four or five win team. Yeah, and how many people actually watched Jaden Daniels play this year, right? I mean, I I did. uh, Yeah, of course. And people that kind of understand what what he is and how exciting he is watched LSU this year. But it wasn't like LSU was the premier program this year to watch. Like, I think people have watched Michael Penix. People have watched Bo Nix. People have watched Marvin Harrison Jr., but I think it obviously went to the correct guy in Jaden Daniels. But it is a funny year where usually the Heisman winner is the premier guy, right? I mean, think of Caleb Williams last year. People would tune in just to watch Caleb Williams. And I'm sure people did that with Jaden Daniels, but not to the extent that you're used to seeing. So I think they made the right decision, but it was a funky year for the Heisman. Yeah, I will say this. I was on on Saturday during the Heisman on uh, on Sirius couldn't say it then. It felt like it would be in poor taste to say this on Saturday, but it's not Saturday anymore. Marvin Harrison Jr. should not have been there. He should not have been there. No, he shouldn't it, have won the Belenikoff Award. It should have been Romo Dunze at Washington, but whatever, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it has to be most deserving, right? I mean, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft, and I think you ask just about anybody, they'd say he's the best wide receiver in college football, so fine, if you want to go off of that criteria, but that's not the criteria things should go off of, right? I mean, it should be the guys who played the best that year have the best stats generally that year, and it wasn't necessarily Marvin Harrison Jr., not to say he wasn't good. but He was, he was very good. There's nobody more Roma clutch Dunze, than Roma Dunze. Dunze. one of those guys, right? Right. Roma Dunze was clutch. He had that game-winning touchdown against Oregon at the beginning of the season. He was great in the second game against Oregon. He was the most clutch wide receiver. I was really upset that Marvin Harrison Jr. seemingly in a landslide won the Bolitnikoff and was just kind of hoisted up for being the Heisman. It felt like it was based off of his name. And again, he's going to be a top wide receiver. Hell, Chicago might pick him. If they're going to ki- keep Justin Fields, Chicago might pick Marvin Harrison Jr. first overall. I would maybe not do that because picking wide receivers first overall is probably not the smart way to do things. But they might go ahead and do that. And then you get Justin Fields with DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. All of a sudden, that offense, which has been looking pretty good to this point in the season, at least through the past couple of games, is looking really, really good because it's impossible to screw that trio up. At least, it's seemingly impossible to screw that trio up. Uh, are you an Army-Navy guy? I cheer for Army. I don't necessarily feel like I have to watch the game, but 
you know, I, if it's on and I'm not doing anything, then sure, I'll watch Army-Navy. I was locked in this weekend. I, I did not go. I have never been to Army-Navy. I'm very excited next year because it's going to be here. It'll be at FedEx Field, which not so excited about the at FedEx Field portion. In fact, that's probably going to be the first time since 2007 uh, where I go to FedEx Field. As a nope. fan? Yeah, nope. You know, you know what? I'm probably going to get paid to be there. Never mind. We're good. We're good. That streak's still going. <laughs> that streak's still going. I'm not willingly deciding to go there by myself. But I'm excited for next year because everything that leads up to Army and Navy is really a spectacle. The game itself, I mean, they threw a lot more this year, like way more than we're used to seeing Army and Navy throw. So it actually did make it a little bit more fun towards the end. If you're better, like we are, over under 27, it's 17 to 9. Take a safety, you get to 28 points. There was a lot of people that were very upset about that. There was a lot of people that were very happy about that. I actually didn't play the game. I, I meant to bet the game. I decided I was going to take a week off. You know, bowl season's coming up and to go a little crazy for bowl season, so I decided not to bet the game. But it was fun watching the ending of that. Those games usually are close, not all the times, but usually they are close. And it was fun to watch those two teams duke it out. Now, what I did not like, and this relates to bowl season, Army has had five wins. Navy had five wins. The winner got their sixth win. In college football, if you get six wins, you are bowl eligible. Neither of those teams is in a bowl. I cannot understand the lack of common sense from those that design bowl games and design the process of making the bowl games happen that they could not reserve a spot for the winner of Army and Navy who would have picked up their sixth win when you have teams that either A, cannot technically or should not technically be able to play in a bowl. Like, I love the JMU story. I love the Jacksonville State story. They deserve uh, to play in a bowl game, but because of the NCAA handcuffs, they just they, they weren't supposed to be. They are, thankfully, but they weren't supposed to be. Those two teams got in over a six-win Army. There's a, a Minnesota team that has five wins, that got in academically over a six-win army. That makes zero sense to me. The bull system is already dying a little bit. I would think that you would reward a team that picks up six wins, even if it's after conference championship game. Like coaches are very, they're very frugal with the way they prep for bowl games. They want as much time as possible. I mean, you get 16 practices between your final game and bowl season or your bowl game, which is huge in the world of college football. So they really like to utilize that practice time. I think so, there should be one team that maybe they get the the short end of the stick because you get to go play either Army or Navy. I mean, that's just me. I think that's a stupid way that they that they did well, that. Well, it's not as if they just randomly now decided, hey, by the way, we're going to have Army-Navy as a standalone game after these games, right? Right. It, it, this isn't the first time they've done that. So it, just dumb. Uh, agreed. Army should be in a bowl game. They should be playing Bowling Green and, in the quick lane bowl. And it'd be one thing if it were anyone else. Army and Navy? You shouldn't choose anyone over any service academy. Sorry. Yeah, so I was upset about that. Now, we did have a, a listener, 12th man on Twitter, hit me up. He's like, yo, give me some of the best bowl games to watch. Got you. I will do that. Um, so this Saturday is when bowl season starts. There's really not a ton of matchups that are going to jump off, really for the first week or two. Like, it does sound kind of sad to say, but you get a lot of these smaller schools playing. Now, there's a California-Texas Tech game this Saturday at 9-15. That is two Power 5 schools, but 
I'm not I'm not all that thrilled with the California Texas Tech matchup. I thought Texas Tech was going to be really good and they were really not. They were they they were a hot team to win the Big 12 conference this offseason and they just weren't that. Troy and Duke might be okay. Now it is worth noting Duke quarterback Riley Leonard just announced on Twitter he is transferring, he's going to Notre Dame. This is not major news. We've known this for weeks or yeah, no, we've known this for weeks. Yeah, we've known this for weeks. It just was made official on on social media. JMU is going to play Air Force. Air Force at one point was unbeaten. They're like seven and zero. They're now eight and four. Expect a big win from JMU in that one. JMU's three point favorites as it sits right now. That's going to be on next Saturday. So two Saturdays from now on the twenty third. But the games that you really want to watch start around Christmas. You got Virginia Tech and Tulane on the twenty seventh. That'll be fun. North Carolina and West Virginia on the 27th. That'll be fun. No Drake May in that one. He's going to play in the NFL. So that should be a fun game. You got Louisville and USC. I have no idea if Caleb Williams is going to play in that one. My anticipation is that he is not going to play in that one. But if you want one to really pay attention to, you got two on Thursday, December 28th. NC State and Kansas State. Kansas State's a three-point favorite. NC State's ranked 18th. Kansas State's ranked 25th. Both teams, uh, Kansas State's 8-4, and four, NC State's 9-3. and three. NC State really outperformed and outkicked their coverage this year. Pay attention to that one. And then you got Arizona and Oklahoma, 9-15 kick on that Thursday. That you should be glued to the television for. That's going to be a fun one. And then you got the New Year's Six games. I'm going to be in Phoenix for Liberty and Oregon, so naturally I'm going to say you should watch that one. But that's going to be a great day on the first of January. You got Wisconsin LSU, Liberty, Oregon, Iowa, Tennessee, and then you got the playoff games, Alabama, Michigan, Texas, and Washington. That's the game that you got to make sure you do whatever you can to be glued to your seat. All right, shifting back to the NFL. So Kevin Sheehan showed Denton Day filling in for Kevin. You are not going to believe what Montez Sweat said about his former place of work. It was not good. You'll hear it next on the Kevin Sheehan Show. Team 980 knows app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 